The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered, and my guest is comedian and content creator Bash the Entertainer. Bash talks about fleeing war in the Democratic Republic of Congo to end up in Glasgow with his family and the difficult early days of integration into Scottish life. We talk about encountering some nasty people at school and how bullying and ostracisation shaped his behaviour while he was there. And you'll hear Bash talk about how recording funny videos on his sister's laptop led to him forging a career and working with some big brands both in the UK and America. And as always, there's plenty more. This episode is brought to you by Debt Experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly payments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash leverage. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tommy Gallagher where we discussed taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. If you enjoy this episode, share it because it's a great help. Cheers. What age were you when you you came to you first arrived in London, didn't you, after leaving the Democratic Republic of Congo? I think I was about seven. I think I was about seven, six, six, seven, seven years really? old when I first came here. How is your memory of of being there? Because for people who don't know, there was a, a large, large displacement of people due to sort of civil unrest and a sort of different groups vying for power in in the country. Mm-hmm. Kind of created a bit of a vacuum, didn't it? Like, I don't really have, like, a lot of memory from, like, basically when I was growing up. I only have, the, the memory I have is, like, from what I've been told by, like, parents and my my siblings and that, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. memories-wise, I only remember, obviously, going to, like, primary school. Um, I remember, I, I just remember fun bits, you know, fun bits at home, because when I, when I was back home, like, my dad was, like, it was quite wealthy, do you know what I mean? So... I remember, you know, the fun times, you know, having, you know, events and parties with the family and all that, you know, going to school and, you know, having friends. And um, I don't really, I don't really remember the struggle they've been through, the struggle my family and my mom and my dad have been through. So when I came here and I grew up, that's when I started getting told like, oh yeah, this is what happened. It's the reason why we left. And just from my own imagination, I imagine how, how sad it was. Do you know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. I kind of I'm, I'm glad that I came here when so you had like a, was it like a year and a half or like a, around about 12 months in a hotel in London before you were actually given a place to, to go mm-hmm. so basically when we first moved to when we were in London we um, we were staying at my, my aunt's place and then we decided to you know we need to one um, money to you know and she's an independent woman she wanted to stand on her own two feet so we went to the home office in Croydon. I think it's Croydon. And then we seek asylum and then we, you know, the usual claim and stuff. And mm-hmm. like me, it was it was hot it was horrible. The amount of times we had the amount of hours we had to wait outside. And it was cold as well. 
Um, and family, when we go taking in, you know, you do asylum, talk, talk your claim and stuff. And then they took a lot of like, you know, asylum seekers to this massive hotel. And um, just, there's just a lot of uh, like asylums in, like, in, in that hotel. They, they were changing like offices into bedrooms and stuff. And I stayed there for about, I think about a year for until there was like, so every, I think it was every month they have like this list and in the list they had like um, names of people that were going to places. So like if your name's on the list, you can say like um, the Adams family, Manchester, the the Tennant's family, um, Liverpool, do you know what I mean? And then after like a couple of months, I saw my family's name and it said Glasgow. So I was like, oh man, I told my mum, I had to pack our stuff. We got on the bus, a big, big, massive bus. It took us from um, from London to Birmingham. We stopped in Birmingham to another hotel where we had food. And then from Birmingham all the way to Glasgow. And that's where mm-hmm. I moved into Tory Glen, um, just like not not far from Hampden Park. People don't realise the, um, you know, but when I say people talk about mouth-breathing knuckle-draggers who have like a real issue with asylum seekers and it's like, hold on a minute, do you think people are going to leave a very comfortable and enjoyable life in the country they've always known to come to Tory Glen? No disrespect to Tory Glen, I love it, but it is very alien to to what people would have been used to. I mean, did you have that sense of like, what the hell is going on? Or you know, like kids are so adaptable and they just kind of go with the flow. How did you feel at this time of upheaval? Like you said, like you know, I was a kid, man. So I just went with the floor. Wherever my mom went, I went. I, mm. Anywhere I could help her, I just went and did it. Do you know what I mean? So um, the only thing that was a bit different was when I was in London, before like, leaving London, I was around more kids that were my, my, my skin color. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it felt comfortable. You know what I mean? It felt like, you know, you know, he's it, not, it's not my brother, but, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like someone that looks like me. Do you know what I mean? But when I moved here and then I got to Tory Glen, it was a bit different. You know, I'm, I'm a friendly guy. I want to make friends with everyone, no matter the mm-hmm. color you are. Do you know what I mean? So it was just a bit difficult, like trying to fit in with everything, you know. And then plus yeah. I was coming from London and my English was a was a bit English, if you get <laughs> I me. Mean. My, accent, my, my accent was English, do you know what I mean? So... Like when I first started going to school, it was oh black kid from London, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit hard to make friends and stuff, but um, I got by. You know what I mean? I got yeah. by. Do you remember what year it was that you you came up here? I came here in two thousand. Right, because I was going to say, not for one second am I comparing these two situations. But when I was five, I moved from Glasgow to Essex. And I was there for uh-huh. like three years. And I also was, a, for me, it was my voice. I had this pure, like, mm-hmm. I had this wee rough, sort of nasty wee sounding voice, even as like a five-year-old, like, like <laughs> kind of like that. And I had this <laughs> Scottish accent, obviously. And I remember how it felt to pure stick out. And you, you're kind of aware of your mm-hmm. differences. And I mean, that's just with me. I, I had the option of keeping my mouth shut or having an English accent. Mm-hmm. You don't have the option of making yourself look white to kind of blend in so yeah, it must have been like just this sort of a, a pure hyper awareness of of standing out that's true that's true but like see, see the thing is with me is like um i started to get i thought i started to understand that people didn't like me for how i looked do you know what i mean 
skin, the voice, the hair, you know what I mean? I, I started to get it and I just got to the point. I'm the type of person where I don't like too much drama. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I don't like violence, you know what I'm saying? So I just take in the chin and move on. So when I, when I was in uh, Tory Glen Primary School, I felt like back then, man, it was, it was very divided. You know what I mean? Like my primary school had a bilingual base, which was like um, a lot of kids that speak different languages. Mm-hmm. So in that one classroom was all the Asian kids, black kids, the um, Indians, and like everyone was in that same room. And everybody else just went to school normally. Like we came into school, they went to P6, some went to P7, but we, no matter if you're P7 or P1 or P2, you're all in that same base because of like, you know, if you're back Asian. And I just felt like, you know what, it, it wasn't fair because some of us just wanted to just be normal. And then for you to get out the bilingual base, your English had to be 100%. So if your English is good, they, they, they take you out the, the bilingual class and they yeah. put you in a normal class. And then for me, it was quick, man. I was there for about, two months and it kicked me out and I wasn't like peep like primary seven like the normal primary seven and I didn't like it because I was the only black kid in, in the class and I just felt like ugh, I, I didn't I didn't really fit do you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so it was just it was just an issue of fitting in do you know what I mean so for a lot of people that think like oh you came here blah 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 um, from this life da 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 from if you if you knew exactly what we ran away from you, you, then you understand why we had to to flee. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm, I'm like I always say on like most interviews, I'm glad that I came here because I feel like if I never came to to the UK or I never came to school, I don't think I'll be here today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and I don't think I'll be the person that I am today. So I'm I'm glad that I, I made that my mom made that decision to take us out. If anybody would like to know more about you know what people were fleeing from the. the DR Congo then I interviewed a guy do you know uh, a film director Etienne Kubwabo have you ever heard of him? Etienne I know Etienne I yeah I've had Etienne on um, and we chatted about it. I think the episode was called From from Congo to Glasgow um, and we, we spoke in detail you know he had a really harrowing experience because he was split up from his family for, for quite a significant amount of time and they had you know this was I think they were walking from I may be wrong, but I think we we're walking from uh, Congo to Sudan. So literally imagine somebody saying, you're right, Mon, we're going to walk to Wales. That was a very similar um, uh, thing that they, that they were kind of going through and, you know, spoke about that. And then all those things about coming here and it's like people weren't just coming here for a holiday. I, f- I feel really, 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 really strongly about it in terms of, for example, as well, people not understanding the difference between a, someone who has asylum seeker status and refugee status you know, saying things like asylum seekers are coming here and they're taking jobs and it's like, well, no, they're not because they don't have the right to work. Or asylum seekers are coming here and taking their jobs and simultaneously not working. It's like, well, so which one is it? Are they, they're not working or they're, they're taking jobs? It doesn't make any sense. Um, I feel like a lot of asylum seekers and refugees that come to the UK, like any jobs they're given, I think they take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they just want to have that life where they make a little bit of money to support family. Like, I'm not going to lie. When I first came, like, one of the reasons why I work very hard in in, in my career is being a, such a young kid and coming to this country and seeing my mom, you know, raise all her five kids with what we had, it, it messes up your head, mate. I, I remember getting inside the flag or giving the keys, came in up in the keys, two bedroom, living room, bathroom. I remember every corner of that house. And I remember going to the kitchen and 
we had a box of cornflakes, um, a bag of bread, and a bottle of milk. And every two weeks, you got sexy quid from, I don't know, from, um, I don't know who it was. And you had to survive off that. I mean, you had to live off that, no matter. And for some reason, my mum made it work. She, she, she got by, you know, like, that's why it got to the point where I just worked so hard to do to do what I'm mm-hmm. doing for her. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, you see your mom struggling and then to the point where I'm, I'm growing up and then you see her still working and struggling. And then it came to a point where she was working in a in the Marriott, Marriott Hotel. She was like, you know, yeah. making beds and room service and that. And I was doing my videos, going to hotels, living lavish, working not as much. Because, you know, like some people say, you know, making videos is not that big of a job. But, and then I saw my mom come at the hotel one time and she was she was limping. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, oh, um, I've got a sore leg. I've been standing too much. And I started, started taking her to hospital to get scans on her legs and stuff. And then from that day, I realized, like, you know, like, you've had enough, man. You've worked too much. You've taken us from Congo to here. You've fed me. You've kept me clothed. My, my dad, obviously, has, has not been here. Um, I've been here with my mom all my life. So... To the stage that I'm in now, like I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really, really thankful that my mom brought us here, and now she's good, man. I retired her, and she's, she's good. Now I'm trying to buy her house and buy her car. So <laughs> that's the, that's the life, man. Do you know what I mean? That was one of my goals. Like one of my main goals was to retire my mom. So I'm glad I've done that. Yeah, it's very admirable. It's I, I can completely completely understand where you're coming from. That why that means a lot to you. So I suppose there'll be days like so you wake up because we're in November now. It's Scotland for anybody who's listening outside of Scotland. It's not a very hospitable place when you step outside. It's windy. It's raining. There will be days when you're I like, love it. Do you? Oh, mate, I mean, I do I'm just not a fan. But, Listen, you, but I love it. I just had an I just had an argument with my missus this morning. She she's from Spain and she hates the cold. Like I open the window every day, man. I love it. I, even right now it's raining. It's pure Baltic. I'll go out with <laughs> the hoodie. Oh, I, I love I love the the, the cold, man. It's, it's like it's my nature. The thing I was going to say when it's a day like that and it's horrible though, and it, even if it isn't nice or it's dark and you feel tired, and the, the urge mm-hmm. to just think, nah, I'm just going to sit and watch Netflix and phone just eat. Does does your mum pop into <laughs> your head? And you do your mum pop in your head and you think? Um, all oh, right, no, actually, I, I cannot. Does that keep you going every day? Is that like a constant motivation? It, it is, man. Like, because, like, you see, the thing is with me is the, the thing that gets me motivated is is my surroundings, my my, my girlfriend, my mum, and my daughter. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when I when I think of them, and like, I think like I need to work hard to to make a sustainable, like, to make a nice, comfortable life for them. Do you know what I mean? But my mm-hmm. daughter is number one. Like, when I think of my daughter, like. I, I want her to know that listen, daddy's rich. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I that's what I want my daughter to be like because I don't want my daughter to go through what I've been through. I don't want her to go through the struggles I've been through, like the not having money, the 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 sleeping on my, my friends for like going to job center to sign in. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to go through any of that. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that I'm on the stage where I can do that and work hard and you know secure it, you know, mm-hmm. it makes me feel good. I, I I don't want to um to dwell too much on on what is a not a nice time and something that really makes me embarrassed um when I hear them from Glasgow, but I think it is sort of fundamental and pivotal to the next part of your sort of life story. But to talk about when you left that bilingual base and you've then gone out and kind of wanted to make friends, and I know there's one girl you said that you'll never forget, 
I'm not even going to describe what she did, but I think you'll you know who I'm referring to. Um, oh, I, I. What a, what a rat, honestly! What a scumbag! I hope she, I hope you know what I hope she saw that, and I hope she's embarrassed. But I fear that she may not be, because if you've got it in you to do something like that, then the chances of you ever realizing is pretty slim. Do you know what spent or you know like when something like that happens, you never forget it. I, I yeah. remember her hair, her uniform, her name. I remember how she looked like, and when it happened, I, I got to a point when 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 it, I wiped the the whole saliva off my face, I said to myself, wow, I'm like, I'm really hated. They, they really don't like my, my, my color. Like for no one to back me up for, for no one to even say, are you all right? That's the worst no for one, me. Do you know what I mean? And then the, the fact that it's a group of people that just watch you walk away, wiping yourself in tears and that, and no one even comes to you and be like, you know, but you're, you're, you're be all right, big man. None of that. Mm. And then I feel that's that's when I became. You know what? I understand you don't like me for what I am. You don't have, like me for you know who I am. So I accepted it. I just accepted. I said, you know what? Come, I'll, I'll have to try and get by from just. <sighs> I think, and I think like comedy plays a big part of 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 all this because one of the reasons why I start to be the the comedian, the class clown, like get myself into trouble just to please others. Yeah. I think that was me me trying to fit in. Yeah, that, and that's, that's when you get, oh, he me, don't. I mean, don't do nothing to him. He's pure funny. Oh, don't do that to him. He's sound. Uh, he, he's down to earth. Like, mm-hmm. I, when I started to get that, I even started becoming more silly, getting myself suspended from school from swearing at teachers because I thought it made me look cool. And I feel like my whole high school, I, I was a prick, man. I don't even know if I'm allowed to swear. Like I was, no, yeah, I, I was a pretty, I, I, I was nice to teachers. I was a good student and all that. I worked hard, but I got myself suspended a lot of times for acting the fool to try and impress others. You know what I mean? I only got serious in high school when I go to fifth year. Mm-hmm. That's 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 how much you can tell. Like from fifth year, I, I matured. Do you know what I mean? But extenuating circumstances, I think, on reflection, you can totally be forgiven because. It's a matter of survival, though. You, you said before, it, it brings me joy. Because obviously there's, there's that element of survival, but you said it brings me joy making people laugh. I think that people like funny people. Now, was, was that just vital to your survival in general? Like, even within yourself, not even, you know, the way in which other people would respond to you, but, you know, did, does that give you a sense of value? Um... Because that, that's how it looks to me as, a, as an uneducated, uninformed, outside observer. I, I, I make people laugh because it, it gives me comfort. It, it gives me joy. It gives me happiness. Mm. And I, I love being a part of helping and changing someone's mental health from bad to good. I mean, because I've been through serious mental health to depression, to anxiety, to suicidal thoughts. So I use my comedy to try and get people away from that to have no one think the way I used to think. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, for me, like, I feel like some, sometimes I feel like it's mad that I had to, to get to a stage where for me to, to feel accepted, I had to be a fool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The thing is, to me, like it's in the past, isn't it? You know, people, people learn, like I know a lot of the guys that were in, uh, in school with back then, I know the same people that, that, that I thought they were. 
half of the guys in my school, the ones that were, you know, mean to me and all that stuff. I talk to them, they, they, they'll sound like, I don't know maybe because I'm famous, but but they're sound guys. The girls are sound like, I think the more you grow up, the more you mature. I just think you just need to 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 listen to sometimes the stories that people tell you and just educate mm-hmm. yourself and not just think like every single black person or Asian person or anyone of color is is, is in this country just because they're trying to, to steal your job or steal your money yeah. or sometimes steal our women. But we're just we're just out here trying to trying to make a life, you know, just the same as you. Exactly. You've got every right to. I literally did the same. I've moved to another country eight years ago. Um I completely understand. I don't think it should take moving to another country to to sort of understand that someone else is trying to, you know, create a better life for themselves. But unfortunately that's kind of how it is. Um on a lighter note, because I mean that's a wee bit heavy that chat but on a lighter note was it was Vine was that your first sort of step into creating sort of silly wee videos was that the first thing or was there anything before that because I remember seeing you on Facebook no. like years ago but Vine seems to be everybody's do, first step do you know what's crazy I, I, I did start on Facebook hear me like years ago like time and I was about 13 Um, I started making videos but it's just I was just making videos with my sister on, on her laptop and but then I stopped, and then one day I was watching vines. I was watching all these Americans doing vines, and they're proper, like famous and all that. And I'm thinking, do you know what? Who does vines in Scotland? Mm. And I started. I did my research, and not a lot of people did. Some people did, but not a lot of black people did. And I said, like, you know what? Let me try and be that first guy to to try and break through the, mm-hmm. the 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 scene. So I started making vines, and then I grew a big following, big massive. I, I think I had like. 350k like followers and I got so happy and I was like yeah I'm Vine famous yeah that's cool. <laughs> and then I got my my green Vine verification and then guess what happened as soon as I got that tech two days after Vine shut down <laughs> so I didn't even I, I didn't even have time to gloat like oh mate I'm famous and then when he shut down I was like okay what else can I do and I didn't really I wasn't really a big fan of Instagram back then or U- mm. YouTube and stuff so I just jumped on Facebook and then from Facebook, Facebook, you went up, 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 Facebook to Instagram, Instagram to YouTube. And then boom, that blew up. And then now it's TikTok. You know, it's mm. crazy. We, um, I think, was it you were saying about you, you'd said to your mum that you, you wanted to, were you at college doing construction? Is that right? I, I was in a... Um, I was in Annie's Line College. I was doing landscaping right. construction. That right, was, okay. That was hey. my mum's, my mum's, um, you know, son, you need to do construction because you can make a lot of money, you know. <laughs> yeah. That was the mum's. When you, you said to her you want to, you want to leave <clears throat> and spend your full time making videos, and she reacted quite badly, didn't she? Like initially, she wasn't so, very supportive. Right. A lot of African parents have this, uh, how, do you call, how do you call this package? I have a son. He either has to go to the army, be a doctor, uh, be a surgeon, a lawyer, or a pilot. This is what <laughs> a lot of African moms want their kids to do. Low expectations. And then, and then, do you know what makes it worse? If your cousin or your friend is African and they, are, they, they become a lawyer, it's a worse nightmare. Yeah. It's, your mom's just going to start using it as an example. Like it's, it's mad like oh, you see Jonathan Jonathan is a, is a pilot why are you not a pilot and then you're like oh, I don't want to be a pilot 
you need to learn. Blah, 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 blah. So I said to my mom, listen, mom, listen, I want to make videos. I want to I make comedy. I feel like I'm good at it. I want to give it a try. I want to give it 100%. And then she was, she was like, so you're going to quit school and leave everything to do videos. And I said, like, yeah. And then from there, she didn't talk to me for a month. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to prove her wrong. And it? it wasn't working. Like, it was hard, man. It was really hard, like, to, to the point where I wasn't, but I was struggling, man. I was really, really struggling. And then I was, I was signing on and all that stuff. And then one day I got a call from um, Unilad. Hi, I'm Bash. Can you come down to, to London to film a video for um, Call of Duty? I was like, who? Oh, I'll do that. <laughs> Went down. And uh, da, 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 da. I was how much is the, the fee? Is like a thousand pounds. I was like, oh my God, a thousand pounds. That's nice. Boom. So I did that. It was nice. And then I got paid. And I went home to my mum. My mum, look, this is just one video. That's just one video. And I made this. And then she was like, okay. And then she asked me, um, do, you, do you love what you're doing? I was like, yeah, I do. Like, I'll never change it for anything. And she was like, does it make you happy? I was like, yes. And then she was like, you know what, cool. As long as you make you happy and you're gonna work hard at it, then I'll I'll try. Even though I'm not a big fan, but I'll try to support you. Mm. And then from there, having that that support, that we time support from her, that yeah. made me work even more harder. And then, yeah, now I don't I don't I don't get any any bad comments. All I get is just texts like, um, uh, there's this new bag in in Fraser's. Can you can you see if we can get it? <laughs> and now that's all, man. I I just get messages of shoes. And the one thing that I love my mom does, she'll, she'll, she has this thing that she just sends. Just, just two words. Full tank. That means um, you need to full tank my car. And I'm just like, <laughs> saying, this is like every two weeks when I, ding, I look at my WhatsApp and I'm like, oh, mommy. And I open a message and it says full tank. I know exactly what to do. Do you know what I mean? So, that, that's yeah, man. It's, it's awesome. I can understand like her her initial reaction because I'd imagine that after you know years of of struggle, for in her eyes, education and training is the way to a better life, and mm-hmm. you know the the advent or the not the advent but the rise or the rapid rise of social media and videos and these types of things is is fairly new. So everybody's still kind of getting their head around it. So. But I suppose once she's getting the full tank and the new bags, then it's probably like, all right, all right okay, this is this is all right. <laughs> but I, like you're right though. I think it is sometimes quite worrying. Like she she says the reason why they they want us to do those type of jobs was is you know I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but you know them ones where you you just know that the job is gonna go well. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a job where if you if you get sacked, you can get another one because you've done mm-hmm. this one. So. But I really would like a lot of African mom, of African parents, to to give it a chance to see how, because times have changed, man. Times yeah. have changed on how things work now. Like I always tell this story to a lot of people, right? I know a girl on TikTok that makes twenty grand a month. You want to know what she does? Uh. She eats. She eats watermelon. <laughs> That's all she does. I, I'm literally not kidding you. She eats watermelon with sugar, with mustard, with honey. With she just eats it very funny, and the way she eats it is just mental. Like she does slow mo's, um, stories, and she. That's all she does is eat watermelon, and she's got over five million followers, and I think almost I feel like almost ten million followers. 
and she charges a lot for like TikTok's nice. promotion and she makes that much. So for me, I'm saying to you like, listen, there's a lot of people that go to work and their yearly sal- salary probably be 20 grand, some 25. But there's people that make that in a month from doing crazy stuff. And that's, it. that's why I always nuts. say, it's nuts in it. Always say like, you need to give this stuff a try. Like I know we guy that's like 14. His mom took him out of school and he told his mom he wants to play Fortnite. And his mom wasn't, she wasn't a big fan. And she spoke to me and I was like, you know what? Um, just give it a try, see what happens, you know, go and twist. And the wee kid is very funny, he's very entertaining. And he went and started playing Fortnite. And in eight months, he made 500 grand from playing Fortnite. See if I had kids, <laughs> you know how like the, the whole argument people make now is they're like, kids are always sitting indoors and they should be out playing in the grass and getting their knees dirty by jumping about in the mud. See if I had kids, I would be like in the next room, like demanding he stays glued to his Xbox. I'd be like, <laughs> like, hey, you fucking better be practicing Fortnite in there. <laughs> I want to pay off the mortgage. Hey, don't make me come through there. It's absolutely nuts that that is like a thing. It is. We, um, I'm, I'm always shocked when I see it. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, then you're probably alcoholic. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. If you would like to speak to somebody in confidence or come to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, please call this number 0800 917 7650 or have a look at our website www.alcoholicsanonymous.org.uk. You are no longer alone, there is a solution. I meant to ask, you know, your your first, and there is a point to this question. Do you remember I, what year you did your first video for the Unilad thing? 2016, November. Right, okay. So, because that wasn't your first foray into being in front of the camera um, for, for other people or other companies. What about Waterloo Road? Do people know that you did that? <laughs> Listen, no, nothing gets past me. This this is what happens when you are you become online. People just find out stories away. Do you know what what the road was was the the real money maker? I don't know but what the road was a, a thing where I saw a few of my friends doing it. I used to see them every time when I come out of like college and they're like coming to like school uniform and I'm like, why are you wearing school uniform, mate? It's like, oh, we just came out of Waterloo Road. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's Waterloo Road? It's this TV show. You can be an extra and you get paid this much. And I was like, okay. So one of my friends took me to an agency. Um, it was called Real People Casting. I joined the agency and then I got a text. Oh, yeah, I'm on the road tomorrow. Can you do it? I was like, hell yeah. Bought my school uniform. And it was just basically like going to school. And it was fun. Free food. You basically, you don't really do a lot. Yeah, it was I, fun, man. It was fun. I did it, I did it once as well. Um, oh, really? see, the, see the real people casting did you have to go to their office and you have to go through the Tony and Guy hairdressers and up the stairs to get your picture Aye. taken so I, yes, I, did. I did it as well this was, man this was 2012 and um, 
because somebody told me to do it and I was like, aye, fuck it. And then maybe about two months later, January 2013, I got asked to go wow. as an extra and they were like, just dress normally. And I was to be an extra in a restaurant scene. So mm-hmm. it's like the head teacher and the Scottish woman who used to be an EastEnders, Ian Beale's wife, they were having dinner and I was to, a lunch and I was to be behind them. So the director or whoever was like, right, so you're you're directly in shot. So they're like, you have to, um, you're waiting for somebody to come in and join you. So you're kind of looking about. So I could see the monitor as it was being filmed. And I was like, oh, you can see like half of my head. So I basically just like lifted myself up. I was kind of like squatting, hovering. And you can just kind of see my head like in the background. And I was like, I hope I'll be in this. Six months later, it's on TV and you can see me just like my, but my head is in this totally unnatural position. And I'm like looking out the corner of my eye. I don't know why they, they actually used it. Because I was like, I've fucking ruined that entire scene. <laughs> it's like that guy's just nah, desperate like, to get is, his face on. I feel, I feel like that, that was what, that's, that's all we wanted to do. Like when we went to Waterloo Road, Every time you get called, like, like a woman would come up with a clipboard, she'd be like, um, I need David, I need TJ, I need Bash, can you come downstairs? <clears throat> and then the director would be like, okay, on action, I want you to walk and bump shoulders with one of the, the main cast. Now, like, yeah, okay, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do. And then you have to put on your, your mean face in that, and you're walking, and like, you bump, and then you're like, excuse me. And I'm like, what, watch where you going? And then, cut, yeah. How did I do it? Yeah, and you wait, you wait till it's on TV and that, and then you see yourself on TV and the guys are talking, and then you bump it. Oh, that's me! <laughs> but it was fun. And then recently, like I'll just be chilling, and then I'll get a wee message. But hi, Bash. Oh, thank you. I like your videos. Da, 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 da. Were you on What on the Road? And I'm like, uh, hi. And I just started getting all these messages and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, but they're bringing it back. I hope they bring me in, man. Are they I really actually? Aye, they're bringing it back, yeah. Hopefully, ah, hopefully they call I, me and say, "You are we, are we part?" Why know me? Why not? I know a, a girl Colette that was in it as well, which I think is funny. And she said that they always used to, um, they would get her. They said we're looking for like a wee neddy, sort of wee ratty girl. Like you'll do, and like I would be pissed. I'd be mega pissed off. You'd be in a, a dilemma. You'd be like, if I go, then I'm going to be on TV. And I'll get paid more. But if I also go, then I'm accepting that I look like a wee horrible wee Ned. So it's a catch-22. <laughs> um, I, You know, as you're talking about that watermelon girl who's making like 20 grand a month and stuff, and, you know, there is money to be made in terms of working with brands and stuff. KFC and mm-hmm. Foot Asylum, really interesting. And I want to talk about them. But the NFL, that is really cool. How does that come about? I'm trying to think... Um... Do you just get like a message through? It says, "Hi, do you want to come and do this?" And you're like, "Yep, yeah, let's go." It's just, it's not, it's not. I feel like one time I I, I was watching NFL on on just some like just NFL videos, and then I saw NFL U, the UK page, NFL UK page, and they liked one of my American football. I I, I play American football in Westshaw, right? Um, so I saw one of the pictures that I posted, and they liked it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I messaged the page. I was like, oh, it's always been my dream to, to work with the NFL. And I just left the message. And then one day I got a message and then says, oh, hi, my name is Joe from NFL. What's your number? Da, 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 da. And then I gave him a number, but nothing happened. And then six months after, maybe when I started getting a bit popular, I got an email. Hi, I'm standing from the NFL and we have this, this, that. We want to invite you to the, the new NFL stadium in Tottenham. If you want to come visit because you're a big NFL fan, I was like, aye, aye. So I went down, went visit the stadium, we had food and stuff, da 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 da. 
and uh, they gave me a, a wee jersey and stuff. And then from there, it just became regular. Every time there's an event, they call me. Mm-hmm. I go down for the games, I do the Snapchats, I do the stories, da 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 da. So many gifts, like a lot of gifts, which is awesome. And then there's this one time, right? I went to dinner with my messies and then I came out to the cinema and I got a phone call. I said, like, hi, Bash, this is Yasmin from the NFL. Uh, we're wondering if you're, if you're willing to go to Baltimore in two days. And I was like, wait, you want to take me to the States? Oh, yes, they really love what you do. And I wanted to, and I was like, oh, shit. I started crying. And my message was like, why are you crying? I was like, shit. I was literally bawling, man. She's like, oh, no, you should be happy you're going to America. She's like, don't cry. I was like, listen, I'm not crying because of that. Because I've not got a passport. I've just fallen back <laughs> laughing there. I didn't see that, then, that going that way. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, man, so I started agreeing. And then she was like, oh. And I said, oh, Bash, we have, you have two months to get your passport. I was like, cool. I started getting everything done, like, cool, quick, man, and then da-da-da-da. And then as soon as I got, everything got accepted and I'm getting everything ready, I just get a phone call. And the trip has been cancelled because of COVID. Ah, oh, oh, bastard. And then I missed it. But oh, I think they're doing story. it again. They're doing it again next year for the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I think, that I'm, I think I'm going to, I might be going to the States, uh, the States in February for the Super Bowl. Oh, and, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. It's really, really awesome working all these bands. It's like, it's, it's shocking to me that this happened. I remember I used to be in town walking around the four corners and stuff. And I'm always like, I always used to eat KFC with my pals. Like, He's too quick, mate. I could give myself a snack box. And then I said to my pals one day, listen, one day, like literally one day, I'm going to either own my own KFC or I'm going to get KFC for free. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, how are you going to do that? I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I will. And look, look what happens today. I've got a black card and I can eat as much KFC as I want. So So you take your chilling. black you take your black card in, you order your food, show them it, and they just give you it for free. Yeah, so I ordered I ordered my food and I've got this week this week code and I scanned the code and um yeah, and I get food. I think it's like um a, I think it's a limit of two hundred and fifty pounds a day. What a day! Right, hold on. Aye. It's twenty-five past one. I'll get you under the clock at Central at three o'clock, right? <laughs> and we'll <laughs> we'll go we'll go to that KFC and we'll order two hundred and fifty quid worth of food, and then we'll go back the next day and do the same again. That's the this is the thing is though, I, I never even reach that much. I only reach it like reach the full amount if I'm doing like a, a party with my pals and that. Then Aye. I get a lot of food. But if I don't, I just I just like I use it sometimes. You know what I mean? And then, like, it's always fun to see the faces of the workers and I'm ordering so much food and then there'll be, like, 100 quid. And she'll be like, yes, that'll be 150 pounds, please. And then I'll scan my code and then it, it says 100% off celebrity discount. <laughs> and then and then they'll come up to you like, who are you? What what, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a comedian. I'm a, I, I do, like, TikTok and YouTube. Oh, okay, okay, okay. See, i never seen a black card. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But it's always good. Do you know what you should do then? You should put to give the card to your mum and get your mum to go in and buy it and it'll be like celebrity discount and then they'll ask who she is and she'll be like, sorry, I can't tell you my security's outside and then just leave these people scratching their heads for like weeks like wondering who the fuck this is. It's just some film stars <laughs> just come in and bought all this food. Celebrity discount. She has to wear glasses and a hat or something. Though. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's such a good idea. We'll do that. That's a good video idea. That one's for free, right? Take that. 
<clears throat> what about um, foot asylums? A cool one, I and mean, that must be good. Getting sent, I'd imagine they would send you clothes and trainers as well as um, pay you well. Oh yeah, man! Like to this day, I'm I'm always thankful and shocked that I'm at a stage where I get all these stuff. You know, what I mean, like there's a lot of influencers that they can be working with. We're in, we're, we're in the UK. Is is I don't know over what over nine million people in the UK. I don't know. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but for them the UK. To pick, Six, there's a bit between 65 and 70 million across the four countries. See, see what I'm saying? So they can pick anyone they could, they can pick anyone they want. But the fact that they, they pick me from from Scotland to come be a part of the Fruit Asylum family and do videos with them and stuff is, I'm, I'm always honored, man. I, like now mm-hmm. that you said it, 65, 65 million people, there's probably half a million influencers. And what well, you pick me from, from Scotland, that's, that's crazy to me. That's it's mad. That's mad. And also, like, I know a few of the guys that that, that run who um, <sighs> produce the videos and stuff. So like, it's always good to you know, you know keep good friendship with the guys and they're just they they're, they're really really awesome people. Really mm-hmm. really awesome. We you're saying that it's a it's a surprise to you um, and you feel honoured and stuff. But you've obviously you've earned that. You know that didn't just happen overnight. You've you put in your graft. People might look at it and go, it's just videos. And it's like, well, it's not a very easy thing to come up with. I, I challenge anybody to go and make something consistently that will constantly make people laugh and will create a large following. It ain't easy. If it was, everybody would be doing it. So they could be getting mm-hmm. fucking 250 quid a day at KFC and send, <laughs> send free trainers. Like every, everybody would be going out to do it. So you've earned it. You deserve it. Um, thank you, man. Thank you. Part of... Well, another sort of added benefit of of that type of success is being approached to do other types of things. And now is a good time to mention that Tenants Light have launched the Spotlight Project with three mentors. We've got mm-hmm. you, designer Haley Scanlon, and DJ and producer Nightwave. So yes. I think what was it? Tenants ran the competition. Young creatives could apply, and they had the chance to win five thousand pounds of funding and mentoring. A few questions on that. First of all, how does that feel to be asked to be to be considered for that role, and also then to be regarded as somebody that could be a mentor to a, a young creative? That's it's it's a, like again, mate. It's a, it's, a, it's a big honor. It's a really, really big honor. Because like I'm 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 Scottish. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been here for twenty one years. You know what I'm saying. So the fact that a big company like Tenants has offered to me to to be a part of the the Spotlight project, which is really, really awesome to to help a lot of influencers and, you know, photographers and video makers and like film directors and all that stuff to, to help them with a little bit of funding to get their, their career started. It's an honor, man. Like the fact that I get to, to help out and mentor and give them advice on how to do things and give them the boost and the confidence and the, you know, the will to do what they want to do. It's, it's an honor. And I'm, I'm really, really like, like, see, see the thing with me is, when something is so unbelievably like crazy, I get shocked. I mean, because like mm-hmm. so many, and I know sometimes, like you say, that I deserve it. Like I'm, I'm thankful. I'm really thankful. But like, I, I always think, well, like there's so many people, so many people in this world, there's so many people in Scotland that do stuff. And for me to stick out and you pick me is, is, mm-hmm. is, is really, it's very big for me. So I mean, so. I'm, I'm really, really happy. You've got a nice wee balance there between being grateful and also in a bit of shock and disbelief because 
if you're in a slight bit of shock and disbelief, then it's going to ensure that you continue, <clears throat> excuse me, working to graft and to hold on to it and to, to you know, keep holding it and to keep going further. So it's a nice rebalance. I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm buzzing. I've never been a mentor before. You know, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm a teacher, like a teacher. You know, what I'm saying like, you know, them them times like when you're you want to go ask for help. You're like, um, Miss Miss McBrien, can you help me here? You know, what I'm saying. And I'm like, the fact like these guys were really, really awesome can come up to me and go, oh, Bash, how can I do this and how can I do that? You know, and then I'll, I'll put my, my, wee, my wee tie and I'm like, we both tie well, the way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, it's, it's awesome and I'm really, really, really happy. And the fact that these guys have came this far and like their their content and their graft and what they do is, I stood out to us. So I'm really, really, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to, to get working with them. It'll be really awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. I think you'll be a great mentor because you've, you've not oh, only got you, the, man. you know, the professional experience is one thing, but I think when when that is then intertwined with life experience and an appreciation of what it is, because it can be very, it can be easy to lose sight of just how how lucky you know you can be. So I think if you can mm-hmm. draw on that life experience, then it's a it's a good wee mix. Um, in, in terms of Going back to you, just kind of as we, we round up, anything coming up that we should be looking out for? Or is it some top secret stuff? Man, all I want to say is just keep a watch on my socials, man. I've got some music coming. I've got some banging videos coming. And I've got some nice content coming as well with big, big brands, which is crazy. And maybe in February, you'll catch me in the Super Bowl next to Tom Brady. Who knows, eh? I'll so, be keeping an eye um, out for you, mate. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, man. Very genuinely saying this, I've really, really enjoyed this. So thank you for being so generous with your time. Oh, anytime, man. Anytime, my bro, anytime. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. I will, I will sign this off, and I think people agree with me. Congo and London's loss was most definitely Glasgow's gain. Bash, an absolute pleasure, mate, and all the best. Oh, cheers. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a nice day, my guy. Leathered was written, recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine and for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series including Talk Media, You Could Start a Fight in an Empty House, Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School, all on The Big Light. Scotland's Podcast Network. From the Big Light Studio.